even when my own eyes cannot see, even when your eyes cannot see, He is God. He is faithful, and He is good, and He is here. Today we wrap up our series on the shepherd, Psalm 23. If you're just tuning in for the first time, I want to encourage you to go back and recap where we have been exploring God, the shepherd who leads us through every part of life, not always the short path or the timing that we would want, but on the best path. And a shepherd who leads us through the darkest valley, the dark valley of the shadow of death, and comforting us in those seasons of pain. And the shepherd who protects us, who sets a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies. And through all of this, he's a shepherd that is good. May 29th, 1953, two individuals, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, became the first known men to eclipse and climb to the, the summit of Mount Everest, 20,029 feet. And the thing was is that there had been lots of other men, lots of other people who had tried to accomplish this feat before and they had failed, whether it was due to inclement weather and, and snowstorms coming in or the, the dangerous falls that were all along the way or the air sickness, the altitude sickness that they experienced as they climbed up and not being able to get oxygen into their bodies. There were countless of people who had tried and failed. And the question that, that I thought about a couple of uh, weeks ago when I realized that we were on the anniversary of these two men's doing this, this incredible feat was why would they want to try? If they had seen person after person after person try and fail, what is it that, that drove them to want to try to climb to the top of Mount Everest? And I, it finally hit me, the reason that they tried is because they believed that they could. I mean, belief might be the most important thing that drives us in anything that we ever do in life. And you think about it. If I believe that hard work pays off, that I'm going to work hard and I'm going to continue to drive myself even when things get difficult and may not go my way, I'm going to keep pushing forward. If I believe that there are people in life that care about me and that are trustworthy, then I'm going to be willing to enter into relationships and be vulnerable and, and allow people to know me and love and be loved. In every area of life, we, we don't do anything unless we're first at least driven at some level by belief. And it stands to reason that perhaps if belief is such a strong force in our life, perhaps the most important thing in all of our lives is what is it that we believe about God? I mean, do you believe that God is real or not real? Do you believe that God is angry or compassionate? Do you believe that God is far away or is God close? What is it that you believe about God? And particularly the, the question that I want to lift up for all of us this morning is do you believe that God is good? 
Now, I know that we call ourselves Christians and we, we go to church and, and, you know, all those things and we try to be good people. But at the very core of our being, especially when life gets hard and it's not going our way and the timeline's not working out, do I really believe that God is good? Because the answer to that question is going to determine just how close I allow myself to get to God. It's going to determine whether or not I'm willing to trust God when I don't have all the answers. It's going to determine whether I'm willing to trust God when I don't know what is next. For you this morning, for everybody watching online, do you believe that God is good? A critical question for us. Now, David attempts to answer this question in Psalm 23. I think in an incredibly powerful way. Let's look together what it is that David has to say about this God that is our shepherd in verse 6. He says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, certainly, the shepherd that, that is my God, his goodness is going to follow me. The, the first thing that David lifts up for us is that God really wants to be with me. He says, it is following me. The word uh, here, he says, goodness and love follow me. The word that we have follow, uh, it's the word radaf, and it literally means to pursue. So it's not just that God is following. It's not just that he's in our area or he's in the vicinity. It's that God is actively pursuing you and me in every season and every area of our lives. He's not good in just some kind of like passive way that's not relevant to my life. But because God is pursuing me, it is the most relevant thing that will ever be in my life. That whatever I might be coming up against, that the goodness of God is there pursuing me. It means that God is moving toward me before I ever make a move toward him. That, that God is pursuing me before I'm aware of it, before I think I might deserve it, before I'm trying to find it in my life. The goodness of God is coming into my life. He's pursuing me in my life in ways that I see and ways that I don't see. I mean, didn't God prove this 2,000 years ago with his son Jesus? He didn't wait for the people to, to say, okay, all right, God, we, we've got our act together. We're, we're going to behave now. And we see this pattern in the Old Testament time and time and time again, where the people, they serve God, they turn away from God, they follow their own ways, they get in trouble, they say, God, forgive us, and God helps them. And then they do the whole thing over again, continuing to just follow their own way and do their own thing and get themselves in trouble. There was never a moment where the people were finally like, I think we got this now, God. We're all in with you. But God didn't wait for them to figure things out. Instead, God said, I'm pursuing you. And he sent his son, Jesus, based on his will and his desire for us, not based on our character or us deserving it. God preemptively sent his son, Jesus, into the world to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. God says, I I'm going to make a way for you where there is no way. I'm going to deal with your brokenness and I'm going to deal with your sin because you can't deal with your sin. And so he sent his son Jesus to give his life a criminal's death on the cross 
to take what was ours, our punishment and our sin and our brokenness and our rejection of God into his body based on his move, not ours. And that truth that was true 2,000 years ago is just as true today. When I was in second grade, I, I found myself going to a new school uh, in a new place. And I remember the first day of school, uh, that fearful trek of moving out of the classroom, which was sort of a safe and kind of defined space because you just sit there in your desk and, and the teacher tells you what to do. But I remember taking that fearful walk out of the classroom, out into the chaos of the playground where the rules weren't defined and I didn't know who I was gonna meet or how I was gonna interact with people. And it just so happened, you know, I'm out there on the playground trying to prove myself to everybody that, you know, I'm the, this cool kid that they can be friends with. And so we're playing this game of football and, and I'm gonna show how great an athlete I am. And I go to throw the football and it goes off target and it hits an unexpecting uh, bystander right in the head. I walk over, I try to apologize. This young kid, the second grader who I, I had just attacked uh, violently with a piece of leather, uh, he looks at me and we, we exchange names. His name was Adam. Now, it's no surprise, we didn't hit it off in that moment. We didn't become best friends. Uh, we didn't hang out with each other. But several years later, I'd moved around a, a bunch of times later through the years and, and it just so happened, we came back several years later to that very same town and that very same school. And I remember walking into the middle school and who were one of the first people that I met? But Adam. And he didn't come up to me and be like, oh, you're the one who hit me with a football, get away from me. And he was like, I remember you. Come over here with me. And we started hanging out and we became friends over the, the years. And about four years later, it was that guy, Adam, when I was in high school, who, who finally got me to come to church and finally started sharing the gospel with me. It led into my life in a moment where God's love became real for me, that God had begun orchestrating long before I ever knew he was at work. Before my own eyes could see, he was at work way back in second grade, moving toward me before I ever moved to him. I think back uh, seven years ago when I was exploring and praying and fasting and asking God, what was the next move for me and my family and our lives? I, I felt a sense of uncertainty. I felt a sense of unrest and wasn't sure what God was calling us to do. And I was taking my son, who was about two years old at the time, uh, to his first dentist appointment. And I got a, a phone call from a 662 number. And I'm thinking like, who in the world is this with a 662 area code? And, and I begin, I pick up the phone and I begin to talk to this guy that I never met before, never heard before, some guy named Bill. And we start to talk about ministry and opportunities and where God's calling me. And several conversations later, I found myself at a place called Get Well in South Haven, Mississippi. And I remember thinking back when I landed here, when I was getting married, uh, my, my wife's mom said, just as long as you don't take her to the furthest place in the state. <laughs> but thinking back, I, I began to realize how other relationships that God had been forming in my life 10, 12, 15 years before that phone call led me to that phone call. Because God had a plan for me, was moving toward me before I ever knew he was even there. God was moving to me before I was moving to him. It's the same is true for you. Just like he did 2,000 years ago, today, God is pursuing you in life.
That's good news for us, right? Like when, when I'm walking through the mess of life, when I can't see what God's doing, I know that he's moving. I, I want you to realize this, is that God is doing things in your life today, good things that you will not see for days or weeks or months or even years. And so the question that I've got to ask myself, the question I want you to ask yourself is where is God already at work in my life? And the temptation for us is to pray and cry out to God and say, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? I need you to show up in my life. And God is trying to help us and encourage us and say, I'm already here in your life. You just don't see it yet. So God, where are you already at working in my life? And I want you to think back on those things that were happening in your life that didn't look like they were going to work out. And then all of a sudden they worked out. How did that happen? You were walking through things and the timing didn't line up and the, the plans weren't lining up and all of a sudden everything t came together. How was that that it just happened? Where's God already at work in my life? Because the truth is that God is already at work in my life and he's at work in my life with his goodness. He's working for me. God pursues me, David says. God pursues me with goodness. The, the word goodness in the Hebrew is the word tobe. And it literally means to be pleasing. What, God, what David is telling us about God the shepherd who is, who is not just caring for me, not just protecting me, not just waiting for me to follow him, but he's actively pursuing me every time I stray, every time I wonder, every time I, I find myself in a, don't play, a place I'm not supposed to be, this shepherd is, is pursuing me. He's pursuing me with his character that is pleasing. I want you to understand that the pursuit of God is driven by the character of God. And the character of God is pleasing. In other words, when we open our lives up to the character of God, to the presence of God, that brings joy, it brings peace, it brings purpose into our lives. But the struggle is, is that if you're anything like me at all, the moment life gets the slightest bit uncomfortable, I think God's holding out on me. I forget the truth that God is generous to us with his goodness. And I begin to ask questions like, God, why are you doing this? God, are you, are you not watching what's going on in my life? God, have you forgotten about me? God, have you left me? God, have I disqualified myself from you some way? God, where, what is going on? And I forget that God is not holding out on me with his goodness in life, but he's generous. So why do I get into a place where I begin to think that? Well, one of the reasons is because this deception of the world that we live in. The world would tell us that there's something better than God. That if we just come chase after this, or if we just buy this, or if we just spend our time doing this, then we'll begin to experience all those things that we want. But the question that I have to wrestle with is if that is true, then why do I have to keep going to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? If there are one thing that the world is telling me that it will finally fulfill and it'll finally give me everything that I want, then why is there always the next thing that they're telling me will always fulfill and give me everything I want? The world deceives me. But I also think that God's holding out on me because of my own sin and my own stubbornness and my own rejection of God. That sin that sometimes blinds me to what God is doing, but also that sin in my life that sometimes put, puts me in a position where God is not ready to pour his blessings out on me because I will mess it up if he does. And so God is saying, if you'll just come back to me, I've got lots of good things to do in your life and through your life. 
But sometimes I think God is holding it out on me, not because of the world, not because of my own sin, but because the deceiving lies of the enemy, that Satan who hates God, and so he wants to hurt you to get at God, and so he lies to you and says, God is holding out on you. God is not for you. And I've got to continue to wrap my heart and my mind around God's truth to remember who God really is, that God doesn't just pursue me, but God pursues me with goodness. So here's another question I want you to wrestle with this morning. Where are the unacknowledged and unrecognized blessings in my life? And Pastor Bill started this service off reminding us, you know, sometimes we forget to lift up those praises to God of where God's at work. Where are the unacknowledged, unrecognized praises and blessings in your life and mine? Those physical blessings of God, he, he provides for us, he takes care of us. How about those relationships that we take for granted sometimes? Those relationships that are the ones that get us through the hard times and the difficulties and the struggles and celebrate with us when things are going well. How about those opportunities that we've had in life that somehow maybe we convinced ourselves that we orchestrated that and we forget that the sovereign God who loves us is in control. How many of those unrecognized and unacknowledged blessings are surrounding us while we're looking straight at the problem, straight at the struggle, and that's all we see. We got that tunnel vision and, and we forget the abundant goodness of God. And you see, it's not just his goodness that he's pursuing us with, but it's also his love. David says the shepherd that is pursuing us, that, that is providing and protecting, who's setting a table in the presence of our enemies, who's carrying me through the darkest valley, that shepherd has a deep love for me. He reminds me that God pursues me with love. Your Bible might say mercy or, or it might say love. The word is hesed in the Hebrew. It means God's loving kindness. How much of the time do you, you stop and, and think about and dwell on the reality that God is kind with you, that God is compassionate with you, that, that God is patient with you and with me. When there, there's two significant realities in this that I think we really gotta wrestle with. One is that God does not give us the things that we do deserve. The consequences of our own messes, how many times have we skimmed by by the skin of our teeth and not experienced the pain that we should have experienced because of our own dumb decisions and actions. But instead we received forgiveness, we deserved, we, we got grace, we got mercy instead. God does not give us the things that we do deserve. And the other reality is that God does give us the things that we don't deserve. That we don't deserve blessing, we don't deserve compassion, we don't deserve love, we don't deserve answered prayers, we don't deserve God's power at work in our lives, we don't deserve second chances, we don't deserve the miracles of God, we don't deserve uh, the community that we are invited into, we don't deserve to be a part of God's ministry in the world, and yet God gives those things so lovingly and generously. And he does it with patience, and kindness and compassion. And here's the word that, that I've really been landing on is with gentleness. That God is gentle with us. 
You know, God could just round all of us up. God, who is eternal, sees all things that were, that are, and that will be. He could round us up in a room and he could lay before us all the sin, not only of our past, but of our future. And he could gather me, he could bring me in and say, Jonathan, here's all the sin and all the rejection and all the ways that you've turned away from me. You need to repent and you need to get your life together and you need to cleanse yourself from all this sin. But that's not the way God moves with me. God, God gently and compassionately and with kindness, one at a time, he calls me into repentance not with shame and guilt, but with conviction to say, this is not the life that I had for you and, and let's work on this together and let me help you draw closer to me, one step at a time. Or God could bring us in and he could say, listen, I've got all this, these desires for your life of what I wanna do in you and through you and this is my will, not only for you, but for the world. So let me just lay out for you my will for all of creation, for all eternity so you can get on board. My mind would just explode, right? But in his kindness and in his compassion, God just leads us one step at a time because if we knew the whole road, we would never take the first step. And so in his kindness and gentleness, he eases us along, never leaving us, never forsaking us, never, never turning away from us, but constantly with us and pursuing us with his love. And all the way, he will never leave you. you know, I love Jesus talks about this, this idea of the shepherd and he tells this story and he says, you know what? If just, one if just one sheep out of the hundred sheep, if just one sheep wanders away, does the shepherd not pursue that one sheep with his goodness, with his love to bring that sheep back? What Jesus is, is reminding us is that never, no matter what happens in your life, Jesus will always come after you. He will always pursue you. He is always going to be there with you. The goal for us is just to see it and receive it. To believe it and surrender to it, to, to trust the shepherd that he is not going to leave me, that, that God pursues me. He says, all, not just some, but all the days of my life. That means that your failures and your mistakes and your outright rebellion against God does not disqualify you from the grace and the mercy that God would give to you if we would receive by faith. That God is continuing to pursue you all the days. Surely I may dwell on the house of the Lord forever. Surely I'll be in God's presence forever in this life and in the life to come. God's promise is that he will be with me in his goodness and in his love. And so I've got to believe it. Do I trust that God is good? Do I trust that God loves me? Do I trust that God wants to be gentle and compassionate and loving and kind with me? Do I believe it? I've got to stop resisting it. I've got to stop resisting that grace that God wants to extend to me and just, just surrender and stop coming at God with clenched fists saying, I want to be in control and just saying, God, I can't be in control, so I, I give it up to you. I, I'm going to stop resisting it and God, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to receive your goodness in my life. God, even when I don't see it, I'm going to trust that you are good and that there are better things to come. 
So my question ultimately for all of us today, if the truth is that God is good, we used to say this thing when I was in church in high school, all the time, God is good. And God is good all the time. If that's true, that God is always good all the time, and He's always with me, and He's always working for me, and He's always pursuing me, then, then why do I battle fear and worry and anxiety so much? And how do I step further into trusting God that He's good? What is the next step for me and surrendering to the goodness of God. What is the next step for you today in surrendering to the next step and, and to the goodness of God? It might be to remember some of those ways that God has shown up for you. When it didn't look like there was any way it was gonna work out and then God worked it out. When it looked like there was no way you were gonna get through that pain and you got through that pain. When it looked like there was no way that God could use it, God redeemed it and has, has sent you to, to minister to others or to strengthen you for, for life or to remind you of His presence and power. To remember, it might be to ask God for faith for today. God, I don't see you right now, so I need, I need Holy Spirit, fill me with faith. It might be for some of us here or some of us watching online today that, that I've got to move from a, a mental acknowledgement that God exists to really trusting and surrendering my life to God, to Christ and say, I will follow you. I'll put my life in your hands. I want you in my life. You could, pr you could pray that today. And it's not just about a prayer that you say today, but it's about a journey that you would begin of a life of following Christ that will extend not just to the end of this life, but into forever. Maybe that's your next step. Or for some of us, it might be that your next step is you need to bring some encouragement to somebody who's not watching this message today, that you need to give some encouragement, say, I can see you moving through the mud and you're gonna get through it, not because you're strong enough, but because God is with you and he will never leave you and he's pursuing you and he's got good things for you and he's got plans for you and he's preparing a place for you that this life is not all that there is for you, but there's heaven waiting for you. If you will just trust the God who loves you, we're gonna get through it and and. God has got great things if you'll trust Him. You maybe you need to encourage somebody today. But it doesn't matter where we are in this room watching online, we all have a next step to take. And I want to encourage us to do that. So if you'll stand, if you're in the room, you can stand if you're at home, if you'd like to do that. We're going to pray together. You can come pray at these altars. You can kneel at your seat. You can kneel at the kitchen table. You can grab somebody's hand if they're in your family, I guess, right now. <laughs> and just say, will you pray with me? I got a next step to take. So let's pray together. God, we love you and uh, we praise you and celebrate you. Right now, Lord, we praise you in acknowledgement that you are good. That you pursue us, Lord, with goodness, with loving kindness, with gentleness, not just when we deserve it, but all the days of our lives. That's the kind of shepherd you are. And God, we just celebrate the grace and the mercy that you give that we don't deserve. We have gratitude in our hearts. And Lord, we repent of all of the fear and the worry and the anxiety that, that makes us sick uh, in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts. God, we repent of that because it means that we're not fully trusting you 
Lord, it doesn't mean that we, we can't be scared, but you have called us to trust you in the midst of fear. And that your, the, the faith that you give will cast out fear, Lord. That's the kind of faith we desire. For those of us, Lord, that are watching or here today that need to take the first step to really trust you, not just believe that you exist, but trust that you love us. God, give us the faith to take that step. For those of us who need to remember your goodness because we're in a hard time right now, God, help us to remember. For those of us who need to encourage, God, give us the name of the person that we need to encourage and the, the courage, the, in, the faith to go do it. For your glory, Lord. It's all for your glory because one day we're going to face you in heaven. And based on the decisions we make in this life, Lord, we're going to come into your kingdom or we're going to be uh, separated from your, your presence and your glory. We're going to uh, not be able to come into the places that you prepared for us based on the decisions we make today, Lord. Uh, so we pray for faith and we know that whatever happens, you're going to receive all the glory. Your word says that every tongue will, will confess, every knee is going to bow, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So it's all for your glory, God, and we want to experience that glory today. So come, Holy Spirit, come work in our hearts. Come move. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for our sins. Give us the faith to trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.